There was a man walking in the woods. Let's just call him Fish for sake of argument. And he was walking in the woods. He just wanted to get away from everything. Uh, and he was just kind of looking at nature, just being there in nature, because everything around him was just so crazy, and there's a constant uh, influx of information. We all know how it is. And so he's walking through the woods. Uh, and as he's going, he's just kind of following trails and doing whatever, and he sees a bear. And he sees that bear, and everything he knows about bears just flies out of his head because he panics. And he's like, okay, okay. And so he stops for a second. He's like, do I get big? Do I do this? Do I do that? And so he just ran. And he ran as fast as he could, and, and the bear's kind of coming after him. He's running as fast as he can. Uh, and finally, he gets to a dead end, and he just drops to his knees and prays. He's like, Lord, please let this bear be a Christian. And so the bear keeps running, and he sees him, and then miraculously, the bear drops to his knees. And he says, Lord, thank you for the meal I'm about to receive. <laughs> So we are continuing the perspective series, and this series is so cool because, yes, we are challenging you to listen to another sermon, to, to open your, your heart to other perspectives, but also we are talking about the people involved in the story of Jesus, and you just saw a man who looks kind of like Robert Downey Jr. and Al Pacino uh, as Pilate, and, and, and so we're going to talk about him today, but it's such a cool thing because as we grow... We obviously look so forward to Easter, and we've heard the story, we've told the story, we know the story. And that's what it becomes over time, because we stop thinking about it as real-life events, and it's just a story. But it's not. And so by looking through other people's eyes, we realize just the, the, the truth and, and the power and, and the, the amazingness and, and the sadness and all of the things that go along with this. And so uh, let's go to John chapter 18, verses 28 through 40. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them, and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, what is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Uh, then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. This fulfilled Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. So they're going to Pilate. We know who Pontius Pilate is. We've heard about him. And he's in the Praetorium, which is a Roman fortress called Antonia. Or in Antonia, sorry. But it's a Roman fortress. It's a military facility. It's a place where they uh, do military things and work on the conquests that they're working on and just kind of hold power. And so because of that, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, uh, they wouldn't go in there. They didn't want to defile themselves. And this shows something, before I get to Pilate, this shows who they are. Because Jesus had said a long time ago in his ministry, uh, had warned them and said, hey, you guys, you Pharisees, you're straining, you're straining gnats out of the river and you're letting camels go through which is talking about the way they're so focused on small things like being defiled in a military place, but they're leading an innocent man to die out of their own power, out of their own jealousy, out of their own envy. And it shows who they are. And even Pilate can see who they are from this. And he is not a good man. Uh, from all indications, from historical uh, books, from everything you can read about him, he was a very bad person. He was a bad leader. He was uh, not a great guy. Um, he took power through marriage, despite what Pilate said on that. He didn't earn it. He married uh, Caesar Augustus's granddaughter. 
And Caesar Augustus's granddaughter, if you read through the different accounts, she knew something about Jesus. She had a dream and she told him, she's like, hey, don't get involved in this. But Pilate wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen to anybody. And that shows who he is because he was very stubborn. He was corrupt. He was insulting. He was cruel. He was murderous and he was angry. In fact, most people that knew him and wrote about him after he was gone said that he was a very weak leader who tried to cover up his weaknesses uh, through screaming and through insults and through anger and through violence and through all of the things that would take people away from who he really was. But he was also direct. And as I said, he saw that the Pharisees were kind of being squirrely. And they were kind of hiding something here. And he's like, this is really weird. And so he directly asked them, hey, what did he do? And you notice they respond as if you just caught your kid taking a cookie. Because if you see them taking a cookie out of the cookie jar, and they're eating it, and they have chocolate all over their face, you're like, hey, did you just eat a cookie? What's the weather like outside today? Like, it's, they changed the subject, because it's not lying. And so the Pharisees are like, well, nobody else can put him to death. They don't say what he did. Mostly because they have nothing to, to say, obviously. But he sees that, and so he's direct, and he realizes something's up. And so he tells them to take him away. He tells them to do this on their own. He tries to pass the buck. As you read through the different accounts of Pilate and this talk, and man, this was one where, I, as I'm preparing for this, and I, I just was excited a little bit about talking about Pilate because I don't get to talk about him very much, and I was reading through all the accounts, it's so hard to choose which one to do. Because there are so many where he talks to Jesus and you see who Jesus is so clearly just as you always do. And you see who Pilate is and you see just this glimpse in Pilate of seeing Jesus. One of the things I've said before and a lot of people have said, if you see an example of Jesus, a true example of Jesus, you recognize it. Now there are people who, who turn away like Bonnie was saying. But there are people who just feel that and realize it, but you cannot help but see it no matter what. And Pilate sees it. He sees Jesus, and he sees the Pharisees, and he knows what's up, and he knows the right thing. But he doesn't want to be the one to act. He doesn't want the responsibility. And so I have a quote from an old school friend of mine, Abraham Lincoln. You cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. He wanted so badly to do that. You see, Jesus was always going to die. The plan of God, the plan for us, the plan for salvation was always for Jesus to be the sacrifice. That's always going to happen. But Pilate didn't have to be on the wrong side of things. You see, everyone involved had free will and they could have chosen Jesus. They still could have chosen him, even though eventually he was going to be sacrificed in this way at this time. And so Pilate had a chance to be on the right side. He knew what was right, but he didn't want to stand up. He didn't want to be the one to take the responsibility. He didn't want to lose power. He didn't want to make people upset with him. He didn't want to, to lose everything that he'd gained. He didn't want the responsibility. He didn't want people to be mad. And so he tried to pass it, and he tried to pass it, and he tried to pass it, and he tried to pass it. Here's the thing. You can't. We cannot pass the responsibility. We cannot pass the buck because it's always going to, the check is always going to come at some point. 
And so Pilate shows us just the futility of that, of continuing to try to pass it, and the Pharisees trying to pass it, and everybody trying to get rid of Jesus who'd done nothing wrong, but nobody wanting to put their name to it. And so we go to verse 33. Then Pilate went back into headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked him. Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why, what have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king? Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into this world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. In this situation, a good man, a person who cared about the right response, a person who cared about justice, wouldn't have asked first, are you a king? That is what Pilate is most concerned with. He's concerned about his power. He's concerned about, is this guy going to be a revolutionary? Is this guy going to take me down? Is this guy going to take something I have? Instead of asking, hey, what's up? Like, did, did you do this? Like, what are the witnesses? Who, what, what is the crime? All of this stuff. He just cares about that and he gets to it. And Jesus' response, as always, is perfect. Because he says, why are you asking this? Because there's a different answer depending on what Pilate says. Because if Pilate's just asking for his own sake about a king, then no, Jesus isn't a worldly king like that. But if he's asking, are you the Messiah? Are you the king of the world? Are you the savior? Obviously, that's a yes. And you see, Pilate didn't want to be here. He did not want to be in this situation because this is everything that he was scared of, everything that, that, that could cost him everything he had. But he'd already invested himself because he gave Roman soldiers to the Pharisees and to Judas to go and arrest him. So he had to do something. And it was coming down to this, and he couldn't do anything. And so as he's talking to Jesus, his entire goal now is hoping to find something to back up what he already thought. You see, we can go into every situation in different ways. And the number one way a lot of people do in this world is we go in wanting to back up our already existing opinion. We meet someone, we make a snap judgment, and so we look for reasons to back up that judgment rather than open up to see, is this what we're really supposed to think? And that's what Pilate is doing here. He's already decided because the Pharisees did this and because he doesn't want to lose his power and he doesn't really care. And so he's hoping that Jesus is going to incriminate himself. He's hoping that he's going to say something where he can hold on to that and be like, hey, it's not on me. I had to do what I had to do. He doesn't care about the truth. He just cares about getting done what he wants done, what he needs done, what is asked of him. And you see, Jesus didn't look like a criminal, and he didn't look like a king. He looked like one of us. And he lived like one of us, for us. But man. If anything shows you that, that, that you can't judge a book by its cover, it's that. Because inside, he's so holy and so perfect. And even in this situation where a man is trying to, to put him to death, Jesus was thinking, please, just answer your heart and listen to me. And it must have been so hard for Jesus. We... we we know that he went through such pain during this cycle, during his entire life. And we know that, that 
people hated him and we know that all he did was good and we know that he died on the cross and we know all of these things. But to walk every day and talk to people like Pilate and to already know what's in their heart and already know what they're going to choose, but to still have that hope, to still have that hope that they will choose you, it must have been so hard. It must be so hard to look at us sometimes. As we walk around doing our best, which is what we do, but then sometimes to just get so far from it and to forget the love God, love others aspect and to focus more on what we want and what we expect and to see that and to just hope, guys, come back, look at me. And so that's what he's thinking as he's looking at Pilate. And so he's good, he's holy, and he doesn't look like a criminal, he doesn't look like a king. And then Pilate asks the big question for him, the king. And again, he is expecting different answers. He is wanting something else. And Jesus is like, this is who I am. I am here to save everyone. All they have to do is choose me. All they have to do is see me. And he preaches to him, and he's trying to explain it to Pilate, not to save himself. Because again, he knew he was the sacrifice but to try to save Pilate, to try to show him the truth, to help us see it. And when Pilate asks him, what have you done? Man, I think any of us would be tempted to list off all of the things that Jesus had done. I mean, he could have kept this thing going forever. You talk about uh, the, the filibuster. Like Jesus could have listed over and over again, like lists and books of things he'd done that were good, that were helpful, that, that, that saved people that brought people back from the dead, that gave people sight. But he just says, I am a savior. And I am a sacrifice. And I am here for everyone. And he can see that Pilate has questions. But that Pilate has fear. Fear of losing what he had. Fear of losing his power. Fear of losing himself. Fear of giving up control. And then Jesus mentions the truth. And everything Jesus said is true, obviously. And that hits Pilate. And I just know that in that moment, he saw all the choices laying out in front of him. And as I said, and I've said repeatedly, Jesus is always going to die for us because that's his choice and that's what he wanted to do because he is our savior. He is our sacrifice. He is our everything. And so that was always going to happen. But man, Pilate, Pilate is such a tragic figure because as bad as he was, as cruel as he was, as corrupt as he was, if he had just allowed himself to see the truth for a moment, his life could have been different. I have another quote. C.S. Lewis. I actually had a friend uh, give me a C.S. Lewis study Bible this week, which is awesome and means you're going to see a lot of C.S. Lewis. Uh, For what you see and what you hear depends a good deal on where you are standing. It also depends on what sort of person you are. Now what that means is it can be exhibited in Pilate here. Because of who Pilate was, a corrupt man who only cared about power. And because of where he was standing in the seat of power, surrounded by political people who only cared about power and only uh, cared about stepping on each other to get to where they wanted to go and they didn't care about truth, they didn't care about justice, they didn't care about anything other than power. And so because that's who Pilate was, that's all that he saw. 
Because he was deceitful, he expected deceit. Because he was secretive, he expected secrets. Because he was evil, he expected evil. And so that's where he was standing, and that's who he was. And Jesus' truth hits him, because Jesus is direct. He's just honest. He's just good. And he wasn't pleading for his life. He wasn't saying all of these different excuses and justifications. He's just like, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I always will be. And everything in Pilate's life is politics. And so he doesn't know what to do with this. I've mentioned before that because of the way the world is now, we can live in our own little bubble. We can follow the people we want to follow on Twitter. And we can follow the people we want to follow on Facebook if you're over 50. We can... Just joking. We can, <laughs> we can follow the people... We want to follow, we can listen to the people we want to listen, we can watch the news that goes with what we expect to see. And we can surround ourselves with only people that are just like us. And that's what Pilate had done. But if we do that, and like he did that, that becomes all we can see. And that becomes who we are. And we forget that there are other perspectives. We forget that Jesus ate with sinners. We forget that Jesus loved everyone. We forget that Jesus saw Zacchaeus in a tree and called him down for tea. That's a song, actually. I actually, side note, sing that song to Beatrice. And I say, Beatrice was a wee little ma'am. And so, that's what I do. Um... But we can live in our own little bubble, but it affects how you see others. And so if you're hiding something, everyone you talk to, you expect that they're hiding something. If you're dishonest, if you're judgmental, if you're angry, and we can see this in any situation, we can see this driving. If you are always in a hurry, and you don't care about anyone else, and you cut them off, and you speed, and do all this stuff, and I might kind of be talking to myself here, but that's different then you expect anytime someone cuts you off that they're doing it on purpose. But maybe it was an accident. And so we see what we want to see. We see what we surround ourselves with. And we get so caught up in the politics of this world that we forget what truth is. And we just go with whatever our side wants. And we just go with whatever the person in power tells us, the people in power, the people running, the commercials, the, the politicians, all of that, and we become politicians. And that's what Pilate did. I have no idea how his life started. Well, I do, he was born. But I assume that when he was a kid, he didn't say to his parents, you know what, I hope that in 30 or 40 years I get the chance to, to just really be corrupt. I hope that I'm able to put innocent people to death. I assume that he probably said, I want to make some changes. I want to do something. And then over time, because of who he was surrounded with, because of what he cared about, he became this. And we always think in every situation, well, somebody else might give in to that. Somebody else might become that, but not me. I'm different. I can handle this. And at some point, I think Pilate felt that. At some point, I'm sure Judas felt that. 
who we surround ourselves with, what we surround ourselves with. Yes, it can be comfortable because it's a bubble. But man, you heard Bonnie come up here and talk about witnessing. Who are you going to witness to? How are you going to witness to them? We have to live like Jesus. We have to surround ourselves with this, with hope, with love, with, with, with joy, which Jesus, others, you, with love God, love others with showing who he really is, the way he really treated people, the way he, he truly talked, the way everyone had a chance to talk to him. Everyone had a chance to come to him. we got to do that. There are too many pilots for us to also fall into that trap. Going to the next verse. What is truth, Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them, he is not guilty of any crime, but you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release this king of the Jews? But they shouted back, no, not this man. We want Barabbas. Barabbas was a revolutionary, among other things. Pilate's question, what is truth, is ultimately why I felt led to this scripture. And as I said, if you read through all of the accounts of Pilate. And I assume you've done that since I challenged you last week to read through the whole Bible by today. And you read through all the accounts of Pilate. You see just such interesting conversations. Because in those moments, even though he was this corrupt guy looking to keep his power, he allowed himself to discuss things with Jesus. And he allowed himself to go right up to the line of choosing, but he just could not bring himself to do it. But he asks what is truth. And maybe he said it snarky but I really think he was kind of trying to grasp what is truth. Please, help me. But he couldn't bring himself to ask that next part because to him, truth was power. Truth was military might. Truth was victory. Truth was conquest. Truth was having what he had. For us, because of the bubbles, we are so split. And I, we all know Jesus is truth with a capital T. But so often, instead of trying to make ourselves like him, we try to make him like us, and we box it in. And we look for what we expect, and we expect for what we look for. And so we've built this little box of what we think truth is when we don't allow ourselves to actually look at Jesus and actually be like him. And Pilate just could not allow himself. And he found no fault in him, and yet he still allowed him to die. He thought he had a trick. He thought he had a way out with Barabbas. But the Pharisees had gone through the crowd, and who knows how many people were plants, as in people the Pharisees had put there, not like actual plants. They didn't want to confuse people. Who knows? Regardless, they chose. And maybe some of them were paid off, and maybe some of them were Pharisees in disguise, wearing like the mustaches. But they chose. And Pilate was stuck. And again, all he had to do once was stand up for something. But he couldn't, even though he found no fault. And everyone there had their own circle and their own bubble and their own truth. And Jesus, the only person who had never done anything wrong, and who loved every single person who was yelling for him to die, and who was dying for every single person who said they hated him, he was the one who suffered. He is the truth. 
Now today, obviously, it's the same and different. Because we all have our bubbles, and we all know this, and we all know that. And man, that person disagrees with me, so they're evil. That's a trick. Just like the Pharisees going through the crowd. That is a trick so that we will be against each other and not try to stand up for him, not try to be like him, so that we'll build our bubble stronger and stronger with bricks instead of soap or whatever bubbles are built with. But it's hard. It's hard to see the truth amidst everything else because everything is everywhere all at once. And so I have one more quote, and this is kind of cheating. This is a quote from Jesus. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How do we know the truth? By being like him. How do we find freedom? By being like him. How do we live for him? By following what he said and did. Look at how he treated people. Look at in this situation where someone is accusing him of awful things, and people are bringing him to death. How he does not become like them. He still is himself. He still is good. He still is truth. He still is love. He still is seeking their forgiveness. To ask him for forgiveness. He still is giving hope. Offering hope. He still is who he always is. And so that's what we have to do. We can't look to politics, we can't look to news, we can't look to celebrities, we can't look to athletes, especially in the NCAA tournament. This is a bad week for me. <laughs> if not for Purdue, Duke and Kentucky losing, I'd be much worse. Sorry for whoever just said, ah. We have to look for him. And not just in the way that we want, in the way they expect. We also have to look at other people through his eyes. Not how we see them. Not how our snap judgments see them. Not how the news or the politics or the commercials want us to see them. But how he sees them. And he sees everyone with hope. And everyone has a chance to choose him. And everyone has a chance to be here in his name. But we got to show him. We have to live like him. We have to live that truth. We have to live that love. We have to live that hope. We have to see others like he sees them. And look at how he handled this, this entire situation. Think about what we would do, any of us, would do in this situation where we've been wrongfully accused and we're about to die for something we've never done just because people hate us. What would we say? What would we do? Jesus just showed truth. He showed love even to people that hated him. Even Judas. After he had already made the decision to betray him. And Jesus already knew that, obviously. Jesus washed his feet. He showed love to someone who was literally going to kill him. And he would have done the same to each of the Pharisees and to Pilate because that's who he is. He sees everyone as possibilities. Everyone has the chance to choose him. And yes, he absolutely taught, but he never forced. 
He always offered a choice, and he showed why he was teaching, and he lived out what he was teaching, and that's who he is, and he never showed hatred and never showed judgment. He told the truth, and he offered hope. And I think to the woman at the well, which I preached about, and which I love that story, because she was caught in sin. And he tells her that, and she changes the subject, and he allows her to change the subject. And he just sees her as a person. And what happens? The entire town is saved. Because he showed patience and love and truth and not judgment and hatred and anger. The only true way, the only true freedom, the thing that Pilate could not see, is that Jesus is everything. And we must be like him in every single way. But we have to try. And we have to show what he showed. And we have to see others as he sees them. But here's the kicker. He doesn't just call us to do that. He equips us and he helps us and he walks with us. He's everything. That's all I got.